Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. I am one of your hosts, Andres, and today you have the full gang back together. It feels like it's been forever, Ooh. and I got to start with the man whose team is in the AFC Championship once again, Sam. How are you, my friend? At least there's one team that I support that's giving me joy in life right now. Let's go. The Cincinnati Bengals, a team where a team that during my whole entire lifetime has given me nothing but sadness and despair. Chelsea, which has been a team that's given me joy throughout my life, completely flipping the script. The Bengals are now the foundation of my happiness and Chelsea's the source of all of my dread in life right now. Sam, describe what being a Bengals fan up until now feels like <laughs> in football terms. Uh, <laughs> being a Tottenham fan? <laughs> what? Tottenham hasn't won any, hasn't even been close this close, though. Uh, I, I was going to say... Yeah, they went to the Champions League final. final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say... Yeah, but I wanted to give it a little bit more of a positive light. That That third voice you heard, that's the one and only... Zach, my fellow married one, but before I get to him, Sam, I, I was hoping you'd say something like Brentford, you know, 75 years without whatever, without top league football. What now the they're hell? there. They're with the big what boys. What Brentford done versus Spurs? They haven't done shit either. Anyway, that's, that's even more disrespectful. Jeez. <laughs> You're not Brentford. All right, all right. I just didn't want to go with the Tottenham one. It's a Chelsea podcast. Yeah, We're not going to give props to Tottenham. Yeah. But Zach, you chimed in earlier. How's how's your weekend? It was all right. Took it easy. Nothing really special. Woke up early, watched a nil-nil draw, which was nice. And then uh, I decided to watch some of the other games of the day. Um, Did you watch the game this morning? Arsenal United? No, I didn't even wake up for that one. Out of all the games I should have watched, that was the one, apparently. The, the the late game was the one you didn't wake up for? Well, I was already – it was a 4.30 kickoff for us in L.A., so I was already awake by the time the game was over, so I just said, fuck it. But then um, today, I slept in, so. Ah, okay. I'm going to sit there and watch Arsenal continue to win the league. Like, fuck that. I'm not going to kill myself. We, I said this before we started recording. I get – I hate watching Arsenal win. But I get more joy in watching an Arsenal match than watching a Chelsea match right now. It's like it's it's enjoyable to watch, as opposed to Chelsea matches, which are like a drag to get through. I feel like I'm forcing myself to watch a match that I don't want to. The entertainment well, value. He's talking entertainment value. Yeah, enjoyment. Like watching something. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I thought you were going to announce that this was your last podcast because you're starting an Arsenal one. Fuck no. I, there's nothing I would like to see more than to see Arsenal bottle the league. But as far as like enjoyment, watching like an entertaining match, the team that's playing with confidence and winning, it's not us. It's definitely not us right now. All right. Well, since we're going to start talking about Chelsea, before we get into our Liverpool match, 
The man's at it again. Holy bully guacamole. We signed another winger this wow. week. Noni Madueke from PSV Eindhoven. Left-footed right winger. Has also done a couple of outings as a center forward. To give it a quick, quick profile, he's another 1v1 threat. Likes to go to his left foot to create shots. Is not completely one-footed, though. Um, to compare him to our other big signing in Mudrik, he is not as lightning fast. He does a little bit more of the Eden Hazard bursts of acceleration, but he won't kill you with straight line speed. Um, you know, got to give you the, ty- the statistical rundown. 0.6 XG per 90, four, almost five shots per game. Um, 78 Wait, no, these, pass are completion. These, all, are these, these are all, all per 90. Okay, yeah. And, and this guy... to. It's not like, oh, he played five minutes and it got inflated. This guy starts for PSV Eindhoven. Like, uh, what's his name? Van Nistelrooy was not very excited about the fact they sold him over to us. He's a key contributor. But there is the downside. He has a bit of an injury record. We're hoping that the scouts did their deep, deep dives into what caused those. And maybe those are preventable moving forward. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's the thing. It's just the the moment they step foot here, they become like porcelain. But another guy that fits this whole young profile, the kind of wingers we've been lacking and we've been looking for. Tom, what do you think of the signing? At face value, I guess. We haven't really gotten to see him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's cool, but obviously it's – I think the the – big glaring point is it's not like that's not our biggest weakness right now like if you look at like the roster right now Noni, Joao Raheem Sterling Ziyech, Pulisic and now Mudrik on top of all that I mean I know Joao Felix is not a for sure thing but you know like after that first taste of that match like I was hoping that it could possibly be a long term thing but I just listed six players I think realistically two of them maybe three of them might be gone by next year but that's a lot that's a lot of depth on the wings and it's not i mean i think the mudrick signing because i i i well didn't record um in the episode where you guys talked about it i think the mudrick signing is you know, you're you're getting like an amazing player, so that's why you go after it. Like he has potential to be like a star. But with Noni, uh I'm not sure about that. Like I think it's it's more of like a good sighting. I think it was like thirty million pounds, right? Like, you know. Yeah. It, it's just like one of those signings where I think that he I mean he could be a, a good he could like a good contributor, but it's not like a needle mover for me as far as like fixing the squad moving forward for, for this year and for moving forward. Um, same, I, I kind of have the same sentiment as you Sam, but at the same time, I'm, I'm willing to eat my words if this works out because I said the same shit about body Ashil when we signed him, I said that he wasn't necessary. It was kind of an underwhelming signing. It didn't really give me yeah. a hard on at the time. And now he looks like our second best center back. <laughs> so And it's for the same amount of money too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Similar amount of money. But I think I think with Madueke, it's something that's a little different uh, that he provides is a left-footed threat with the pace. I mean, 
we our only other two lefties that are attackers are Ziyech and Kai, and neither of them are necessarily blessed with that blistering 1v1 pace. So to have a guy who can run off the right-hand side, cut in with that pace, kind of keep defenders back on their heels, I think it'll, I think it'll provide a lot more attacking opportunity for us. And then also, I think this benefits us when we do buy, um, hopefully, when we buy another midfielder, because it'll just allow that much more space for guys like Mason Mount and, you know, whoever's playing the 10 or the attacking midfield role to kind of step into and operate. Because I don't know if you saw the last match against Liverpool, and I know we're going to get into it a little later, but Mudrik did a really good job at threatening their back line with his pace, and he kept them honest and pinned back. And that allowed for our midfield to kind of press up a little bit higher and operate higher up the pitch. So I think it's a win-win for us. Um, Thirty million doesn't seem to be that much money for a young English kid nowadays, especially an attacker. We know that we're going to pay a, a tax on that, um, with all things considered. So, I think at worst we wind up selling him for the same amount we bought him for in a few years if it doesn't work out. And again, it's something that hasn't been mentioned, or maybe I just didn't hear it, but a seven and a half year contract with an option for another one. So. You know, another another signing for the future, definitely. And I'm excited to see him, honestly. I mean, I think there were a lot of clubs that were after him, and I know he's not necessarily the most glamorous name out there, but so far we haven't really missed, um, you know, this with was. this new director. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, this new team that's been put together about Body Ashil, and that was spot on. I think the Mudrik signing looks to be spot on, the limited yeah, minutes we'll, we saw him and this is another one so who's to say that it won't work out long term and and he's the youngest of those three names that you listed yeah that's a good point so so one thing that i do want to touch on saw mentioned you know this is going to be a very heavy depth position and i and i am not envious at all of potter because right now it makes sense because Ziyech is the only healthy winger and felix is suspended but that's that's something that we're most likely going to be talking about come March. Um, you know, we are only in the Premier League and potentially still in Champions League around then when everybody's supposed to be healthy and we can't play seven wingers. So that'll be that'll be a problem to discuss another time. But let's get right into it. Chelsea Liverpool at Anfield, a thrilling nil nil for what I've been I've heard it called the the Scheitico or the mid-table Classico, however you want to put it, the battle between 9th and 10th, and it felt like it. Um, Chelsea came out in a 3-4-3, sometimes looked like a 4-2-3-1 hybrid. Kepa in goal, Chalaba, Thiago, and Badia Ashil in the back line. Ziyech as a makeshift right wing back, Jorginho and Lewis Hall in midfield, and Kukureya back as a left wing back. Gallagher and Mount as the inside tens and Kaya the nine uh before i give you guys the the baton and, and tell to have you guys tell me about your thoughts i wanted to bring in some of our listeners and what they thought about the game we had at john nomics had the midfield released the ball earlier this could have been three points at anfield despite the red scum current problems would have been a big confidence boost bad man looks like he's playing here for years um at chelsea bants 12 Sam, correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like that's a first from him mm, yeah um, doesn't, doesn't look familiar well welcome welcome uh he says good result good defensive performance and some good tactical tweaks he asks what our biggest positive is ronnie ashworth ultra 
Thought we could have lost the midfield and won it from there, but never happened. VAR and another injury. If it wasn't for bad luck, we wouldn't have any luck at all. And Black Emoji keeps it short and simple, and he asks, positives? Question mark. So, Sam, before I give my take, I want to hear what you thought of this game. I thought it was one of the most, one of the worst matches of the season, to be honest, that I sat through. Um, both sides looked awful. Um, we had a chance early on that got taken away by VAR, and I think that that was pretty much set the tone for the rest of the match. Uh, you knew it was going to be just one of those days. And, um, yeah, I mean, if I can draw away one positive, it's two clean sheets in a row. Benoit Bachille, so every, he is, we haven't seen a goal with him on the on the pitch, so I'll give him that credit. I know it's a small sample size, but, yeah, I think we're on one side, we're lucky that um, – Cody Yakbo, Akbo is just like the Dutch Darwin Nunez. Um, he <laughs> missed a lot of chances that should have been put away or a couple. Um, and us on the other end, just, you know, the only bright spot was Mudrik for, you know, 40 minutes, whatever, 35 minutes, however long he played. And it was like the same thing as the match that Joao Felix played. It's like the new guys that come in, they're the only bright spots. And one one other quick thing. I found it a little interesting that um, Potter decided to start Joao Felix so shortly after he joined the team, but he didn't start Mujic. So, yeah, so, so I'll let you go back to your thoughts on the difference is Felix was playing at Atletico still. He had, he was practicing and playing week to week. The right. Ukrainian league, yeah. right. Hasn't done anything. They've been on break. So it was more of a match fitness thing than like a tactical, um, awareness or practice thing. Cause Jao Felix was here for 36 hours before kickoff. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I, I also, I heard, I think the announcers mentioned, that uh, it was the first nil-nil draw between Chelsea and Liverpool at Anfield since, like, 1971. So, you know, this doesn't happen very often. Uh, and it's just a good reflection of the times that both clubs are in right now. Not looking good. Zach, what would you think? It wasn't pretty. I mean, it definitely was two mid-table sides coming together. <laughs> That's for sure. It wasn't. Uh, it didn't strike me as a high quality match whatsoever. I thought in the first half, though, to be honest, um, I think Chelsea was was okay. I don't think we were necessarily terrible um, on the day, but you know, the second half came along. It looked like uh, Liverpool started to dominate the midfield a little bit more, um, but they couldn't really do anything with the ball. So it was just kind of like a. It was a yo-yo of five minutes of domination from Liverpool, or I don't even know if you want to call it domination, just ball control and possession pretty much, but pointless possession that didn't really lead anywhere. And then five minutes to Chelsea, and five minutes back to Liverpool, and five minutes to Chelsea. All in all, though, I I did leave the – or I didn't leave the match, but after the match was over, it was hard to feel um, like it wasn't two points lost in a way because Liverpool were there for the taking. I think any other top four side takes them and gets all three points comfortably. Um so that that was a little disappointing um, in itself, but 
you know, th this is what we kind of expect. I mean, it's going to be herky jerky. It's going to be these makeshift lineups. We're going to continue to see, you know, improvements in certain areas. Like you mentioned, the bright side here is that we got another clean sheet, um, especially going to a place like Anfield and doing that. So that's something that we can definitely hang our hat on. And now that we seem to have the back sorted, hopefully, assuming Chalaba's injury isn't that bad, um, now we can sort of work our way up to the front. Um, so now I think the next step here is just kind of getting that midfield to become serviceable at the very least, because there were a lot of times in this game where they were basically non-existent. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be the key to success. It doesn't matter how many attackers you have. If that midfield's not ticking and cohesive, the attackers never get to see the ball. So um, yeah, all in all, it felt like two points lost, but it's not the worst worst point in the world, I guess. Yeah, I to to kind of cap it off, I agree. I think my biggest issue in in the recent matches was the fact that we had extremely leaky defense. It was uh Thiago Silva trying to make something out of nothing. And now with Badia Shields been like Sam said two back-to-back -back clean sheets, Chalaba has settled into this sort of Ben White right back stay back kind of role. Um it was nice to see Kukurea back in form as well. We had been kind of dogging on him for his performances. Apparently, he had some family issues off the pitch. So, it was nice to see he him. Did? I think he... Kukurea. Oh. He, uh, he actually led the, the match with tackles in this one. And he kept Salah pretty quiet. So, I, I think that was a quite the underrated performance, you know, from what you see online and what people are mentioning. The big one for me is that it wasn't pretty. And, no, we didn't win. Whenever... I can't remember which pod it was where we looked at the next five matches. I think it was right after Palace, or right before Palace, after we lost, actually even before Fulham. I said, oh, the next five matches, I thought this was going to be one of the losses. So am I disappointed? Yes, because I think this game was there for the taking. But again, the, the, the underlying things are there. There was, you know, Liverpool had 15 shots to our 11 shots, but we had four big shot, big chances created. The Mudrik one, the, the Chukwameka one, the one where, for some odd reason, Mount decided to go one further to Lewis Hall, and then Lewis Hall had the kind of oddball one. So it, it feels disconnected because we should be attacking more, but then at the same time, even with all the dysfunction that is, you know, the midfield and the fact that Jorginho still only passes the ball forward four times a match, the chances are coming. It's just that it's still the players that are completely out of form. So I, the way I see it is the defense is now solid. We have now 13 days to get the attack to click before we play Fulham again. So I guess I have more of the silver lining of it all in my head is that it's only going to go up from here is how I saw it. And this wasn't the worst. So that's just kind of where I was. But one thing that was 100% a bright spot was Mihalo Mudrik's debut. Got to play about 30 minutes, and in those 30 minutes, he completed the most dribbles in the match, which was two. I know, crazy high number, but it's the truth. 13 out of 14 passing. Should have gotten an assist for Chukwameka. Could have had his own goal. And he also put in three tackles. The three tackles he tried, he won which is nice to see out of a winger. So props to him for being a little bit of an effort machine. Um, 
we actually had a comment from newbie xyz he says 1010 pod keep up the great work typo on my bad and i had a typo newbie on your comment and i accidentally wrote zero out of 10 pod but he says, i was like why are you i was like why are you including this, this no guy, no newbie newbie has been out of 10 newbie has been contributing for like the past three or four weeks and and he's been he's been fun he has nice questions usually so his question this time little tongue-in-cheek here how long until we can officially proclaim mudrik as our best ukrainian ever shout out lego mjolnir that's right thanks newbie he saw my video i built a mjolnir bro mjolnir thor's hammer's name is mjolnir baby and i got that for my birthday Target didn't deliver it. Grown ass man with a Thor's hammer for his birthday. Gotta Uh, love it. There's no age limit to Legos. If you see the box, it says starting at this age, but there's no age cap. Seven plus, right? 18 plus says on this box. 18? 18 plus. You have to be. I wish we did video because I have the proof right here. Is it because the stick of the hammer looks. Questionable. <laughs> a little fecal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now we know why Andy was so excited to get it. <laughs> How long is that, Andy? Eleven or twelve inches? Yeah, it makes a subway sandwich look a little like a chump. You know, this is a this is a big boy toy. <laughs> Damn, Andy, the way you're grabbing on that, that grip. I wish I thought, we did video, man. I this is great content that the listeners are really <laughs> missing out on. But so yeah, I, what, I thought it was like a tongue-in-cheek question. Like I thought there was a player named Lego Mjolnir that I never heard of because I thought Shevchenko was our only Ukrainian player ever. And I was like, wait, is there another one that I didn't know about? Newbie went deep into the encyclopedias to find this Ukrainian player named Lego Mjolnir. Yeah. No, 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 no. But but bringing it back, Zach, I want to hear your take on this fun yet almost like you want a little more debut from Mudrik. It was as positive as I could expect from from him. Um I knew going in, because I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I watched every Shakhtar match, especially during the Champions League. I didn't, because they suck. Um, but I, out of all the highlight videos and YouTube compilations that I've seen, I mean, it's clear that the kid was rapid. But my word, it's not just straight line pace that surprised me with him. It was his ability to change direction and cut angles in front of the defenders and just kind of keep everybody on skates. And I don't think we've had somebody with that kind of 1v1 uh, threat since Eden Hazard. I really don't. And I know we only saw him attempt two dribbles or complete two dribbles, whatever. I don't give a fuck. That that was enough for me to take a look at him and say, okay, if Potter is the right guy to lead this team forward, Mudrik is going to be one hell of a player. And I don't think he's just going to be a side piece either. The way he plays, it looks like he's definitely going to be the main event, if not one of the main events in the squad. So I, I, I love the debut from him. I think his pace kept Milner honest in that first half. I mean, his first dribble was insane. And his the second time he touched the ball, he drew a yellow card from him, forced yep. him to even get subbed. And then, like I said, because he provides that willingness to run in behind with that pace, you have to mark him. And that keeps the defense pinned back allows more space for the midfield to operate, which I think could be beneficial in the long run. Now, 
the thing with him that impressed me the most wasn't actually the dribbling or anything like that. It was his ability to get into the box and make runs off the ball into the box. There was a couple of times where we missed him on crosses um, where he was basically playing the back post and made a little tiny diagonal where I think if a guy like Reese James is there, he probably fizzes that in and Mudrick most likely gets on the end of it. So the kid seems to have it all. I mean, clearly has a dribbling ability, clearly has a pace. His technical ability is amazing. That dribble he had where he went into the Liverpool box, dribbled two or three guys, and then put it into the side netting. I mean, that was, if you watch it in slow-mo, there was no deflection there. In real time, it looked like it might have deflected off of somebody's leg, and you know it was just a, a fortunate uh, flick for him. But no, that was all him. Um, so he seems to have the triple threat, the passing, the pace, the shooting ability. It all checked out for me, man. I, I almost want to buy his jersey already. Dare I say it. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, he has... Yeah, it's like, it's like the same kind of feeling I had when we saw that first Joao Felix uh, match. Um, and almost as long of time. I mean, he played 30 minutes, Joao Felix played 50. So we only got a little taste, uh, which is the the painful part. But wow, yeah, the, I think Zach kind of summarized his performance uh, pretty well. Um, you're you're talking about those runs um, near the back post. Ziesh did find him one time. It was just a little bit off, but he he could have put that away um, if it was. Just a little bit of a better pass, but uh, I'm excited. I wasn't, I wasn't like great. I wasn't like head over heels in love with the signing, but now I see it. I see why he was worth yeah. that much. Why Arsenal wanted him so bad. I'm still surprised we ended up with him, but. You know, the double whammy of spiting him. I mean, if he ended up if he ends up being a bust, it's it's way worse than the Kai Havert signing. Yeah. Because we we stole him from Arsenal. It could have it, it could have been his their mistake. But as of now, it it doesn't look like that's gonna be the case. It looks like we we got away like bandits. Yeah, no, I, I think this kid has the sauce, man. I don't know if you guys watched the little training video that went out before the match. Only and like the three dude, times, yeah. The dude just like casually doing, like, I get it. They're professionals. They do cool shit with juggling and stuff. But like, the man was everywhere in training pitch. He, I think there's a part where RLC's walking with him and Humphreys is, uh, is walking up to them and RLC's like, you're fucked. <laughs> You're going to have to defend this guy in practice. And then you watch the videos and he's just electric, man. I, you know, we talked about how, like how he's so good at dribbling and, and the thing that kind of clicked in my head, I was like, he feels a little bit like a left-sided bail in a way, because he does more of the, he doesn't do the little itty bitty touches the way that someone like Eden Hazard does but he's technical enough to get around players. And then he also has that sort of longer touch to just put on the jets. So that's kind of what came to my mind, at least from watching not only like the 30 minutes, but some of the videos it's like, 
if this dude can get those shooting boots up, that'd be nuts. And and the other thing um, was the fact that like these aren't one dimensional players. This isn't like your your Wilfried Zaha, who is like, I'm just going to dribble and shoot myself or your St. Max, who's just going to dribble until he has no other option but but to do something else. Like these guys are dribbling with a purpose. They always have their head up. It feels like between Mudrik and Felix, that is. Sam alluded to the fact that both of them were super electric. I just felt like they're dribbling, but they're always keeping their eye up for for making a play that's not selfish. So just, I just thought it was super exciting. Zach, you wanted to add anything else? Yeah, I mean, something that I heard in a couple, um, you know, videos when I was doing my research on him was that the kid is a workhorse also. Like, he's always in the gym. He's always lifting. He's making sure that he's staying in shape. And I even saw an interview with him where he said that he idolized Ronaldo growing up, Cristiano Ronaldo, that is. Um, and, and he actually looked at how he's taking care of his body after all these years and attributed that to his uh, success from the outside looking in. And I'm sure that's why Cristiano was able to have that longevity. So if he can rip a page out of his book, I mean, just that maturity, that that mindset, that mentality, that's exactly what we need at the club. So if anything, it shows that, I mean, so far we brought in Fadia Shiel and Mudrik, at least the guys that we've seen from this new regime in terms of signing and selling players. They both have that mentality. And that's something that I feel like we didn't do enough research on um, under Roman was I felt like we were just going out and buying players based on their talent only, not necessarily looking at how the how the dressing room dynamics going to work out. What do these guys do off the pitch? What's their... What's their mentality like during the summer? Are they going to go get fat and eat a bunch of burgers? Or are they going to come back, you know, fit in the off season? And are they going to hit the gym? Are they going to train? Are they going to do X, Y, and Z? So he definitely ticks that box in that sense. And Badi Ashul also, I mean, you know, you could th- also throw his name in there as well. He seems like a very mature, grounded, you know, 21, 22-year-old. Um, yeah. I want to add one thing about the him being a workhorse. There's one... There was one article I read that kind of alluded to the opposite when he originally got called up by Shakhtar. Mm-hmm. He played like two, three matches, and apparently he was immature in training. And this was like, like two years ago, maybe not too long ago, a year or two ago. And he got sent back to the reserves for a little bit. And then this season he came back up and got, you know, played a lot more. So yeah. that so, I I'm 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 willing to believe that he put that behind him and he's now mature because of all these other stories I hear. Mm-hmm. But that's the one kind of concerning point. I'm not I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but yeah. Yeah, they the the story like if I'm not mistaken, if I'm thinking the thread kind of continues, he ended up getting himself as his own personal trainer so that he could bulk up and if you see some of the videos he has like done he's a jacked. sort of transformation now he's a yeah. pretty big dude and, and and the whole sort of like maximizing his physical potential he's uh he's recorded as the fastest player in the champions league this season at something like 26 kilometers per hour and him and his trainer are aiming to get him to like 30 is is there like peak goal or some shit like that which sounds nuts um insane so yeah i'm hoping some like you said that that getting sent back to the reserves was sort of the wake-up call to let him know like hey talent is not going to be enough to get you into this business 
But I mean, again, it was a great cameo. I'm just upset that we didn't notice, not notice, but take advantage of the fact that Milner had gotten a yellow card and just kept pressing and, and just forcing everything down Mudrick's side. I, I think that that's something at times this team doesn't have is that bit of um, sort of trickery and, and, and just kind of like an asshole move. It's like, you know, that guy's on a yellow or like, Oh, you know, that guy like in a weird way, like you, if you know, a defender's tweaked or something that you're going to go at him. Like, yeah, you have to kill him while they're down. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, that's something that I'm hoping as we sort of grow into whatever Potter's view of this team will be, or is that we have a little bit more bite to our bark, just too much barking right now. I need a little bit more bite there. Andy, you know, attacking like a guy on a yellow is not as like like evil as attacking a hurt player. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I just don't see that enough. Like, I, I feel like any other team, like for example, when we were when Potter was forcing Aspie to start, you could tell the other team was like, go down the left, go down our left, go down our left. Yeah, exactly. Attack that old ass dude. And and I just feel like maybe it's it's the fact that we still don't have all the healthy players or or there's a lot of mixing like for example Lewis Hall got to play in the center mid this this match wasn't his best match and to an extent I think that's why we've been playing him on the outside to lower the responsibilities and let him get caught up but oh Andreas he froze. hey Andreas he froze for a second you oh, want to say what you were saying again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying that because of the, the sort of turmoil in our 11 where one guy's healthy, then one guy's out of form, then one guy gets suspended, we maybe haven't gotten the the right connections to be able to, within the pitch and within the players, to be like, okay, we're going to keep going one way. But again, that's just a random on my end. Um, before we get to... The biggest talking point of today's podcast. I wanted to go ahead and add a little bit of the questions from our listeners. This first one is from the one and only Bone Daddy Cool, Bone Daddy Deluxe, Bone Daddy Supreme, the yep. star of the BOP Ultras. And he asks, what do we do with Ziyech? Looks like he's been rejuvenated. And with Felix, Nani, and Mudrik on board, dude's going to be able to cook. So, Sam, I want to go to you first on this one. I know Ron's your boy. I think you've gone to me first on every question, but I'll take it. Um, yeah. it. This was the guy who went into the World Cup. I, I proclaimed I never want to see him on the pitch again for Chelsea. Um, and right now, he Ron is right. He's, he looks ridiculous. I don't know whether the additions of Felix, Noni, and Mudrik will help contribute to him. Um, like, I think we would need a better finisher, poacher, striker to get the best out of what Hakeem Ziyech does so well uh, in crossing the ball. But I don't know. I don't. I, I think that he's 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 gone after this season. He might he might even be gone before January's over. Yeah, I mean, as it's funny, as we were recording, I got the notification that Fabrizio Romano just posted and said that Chelsea are 
going to listen to offers for Ziyech towards the end of the window and that they're opening to let, open to letting him leave. Okay. Um, look, so I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, man. I, I, I've been on record saying multiple times that I was done with him. I didn't think his mentality was in the right – I didn't think his head was in the right frame of mind. He did, just didn't have the right mentality to succeed here. And now – all of a sudden we're seeing the best of him. I mean, I, I don't think any of us have sat here and said he's not talented um, because we've all seen what he can do before. Uh, we saw it in the World Cup. We saw it in the Champions League with Ajax. I mean, the guy has a, has a wand as a left foot. Um, not much else, but he does have a wand for a left foot. And, you know, he's been really important in terms of our attacking buildup, in terms of just creating chances by creating havoc and playing dangerous balls into the box. Um, those in-swinger crosses from the right-hand side are absolutely killer. Um, I'm I'm a little bit conflicted at, in terms of letting him go in January, though. I know if Pulisic's injury is going to be an extended one, something that's a little bit more long-term, you can't re- really rely on three new signings to lead the front line for the rest of the season. I mean, those guys are going to have their dips and troughs. They're going to come up against defenders that are going to be um, difficult to get past or difficult to figure out that game. I mean, they need their experience is what I'm saying. So I think just as important as it is to bring in new players, it's, it's, it's equally important to protect them in a sense. And I think by keeping a guy like Ziyech around, you could rotate him into the squad. He's, he's in form. It seems like we figured out a system and a way of playing that makes him happy and brings out the best in him as well, because he is playing further up the pitch. He's playing strictly on the right-hand side. And we're exploiting him in 1v1 situations and, and just letting him go to work and create. So dare I say it, but I will be a little bummed if he leaves in January. I think it's a little too soon to let him go. I think we could keep him for the rest of the season um, just so we can have him. You know, we don't. We still don't even know when Sterling's really coming back either. That's a whole other issue. Um, and, you know, he can kind of be that other guy in the rotation and just kind of come in perform and if he does well he stays in the starting 11 i mean why not he's been playing well enough to maintain his spot now he's arguably been our best attacker in the last two or three matches outside of you know the 15 minutes mudrick played and a flash from joao felix so why not keep him till the end of the season my thing is is and andy maybe you can kind of take it from here you're not really going to get more value for him now than you would in the summer i mean we're pretty much talking the same numbers right no, here's that that was going to be my counterpoint. The man turns 30 in March. And right now in January, someone might be desperate enough to say that's what I need right now. I'll take him and and we get the price we want because everything is inflated in January. And and while I agree with everything both of you are saying, right now he is in his best form this season. He is our our sort of creative hub. I'm also of the of the thought process that this season is done in terms of top four qualification aspirations. Those are extremely lofty. It's it's a lot of hoping and praying that everybody else fucks up. So we have a lot of players to move, and Ziyech is not here for the long run. So you need to cash in when those offers come if they're anywhere near the, the valuation the club has right now. I don't, I agree with you. Right now, it, it feels like on the pitch, you, you cannot let go of Ziyech. But in the summer, he'll be 30. And we're losing value. 
We're losing we're losing value the longer we hold on. His wages are already a concern for most people. So I'm thinking this might be our best chance to get the transfer fee we want, even though it's not the right time for for Chelsea on what we want on the pitch. But he's kicking ass. People seem to be interested again, which that had disappeared for a very long time. So do I want him to go? No, but it might be the time to do it. That's how I see it. One thing I wanted to like respond to that is one, like it's very possible that his value goes down the re- the rest of the season because of how he plays. Like if he plays like how he did the first half of the season or pre uh, World Cup, his value is going down. But the yeah. one thing I don't agree with Andres is like he's going to be thirty. Like the distinction between late twenty nine and thirty, it's not. You know, teams are smarter than that. They're not going to be like, oh, he's a 29-year-old. We can pay more. And then as opposed to next in the summer, it's like, oh, he's a 30-year-old. We can't buy him. Like, that's – it's it's but, it's the same thing. But, again, like, because of his wages, I, I guess I'm saying, like, halfway through the season – you see this a lot in American sports. Halfway through the season, somebody goes down. You want a veteran guy that's ready-made to, like, help you get through whatever your goal was for the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, no, all that and then I he's, agree with. Sure. And then we're hands off, but then I'm with you. I, I'm I'm down to sell him in January. I want to. I want to move yeah. on from him. I think right now could be his peak value. And there's teams calling from the Premier League and from abroad. Like we have multiple buyers. It's time. Like we could we could sell him. We should sell him right now. And the thing about the thirty some. Teams are afraid of giving people in their 30s the long term, the, the the solid years. There's a reason why we were able to get Koulibaly within like 24 hours. is because when you make a transfer for an established player, you have to give them the established money and the, and the length of contract. So again, Ziyech doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's going to last you eight years into almost his 40s like Thiago Silva does. So to, to me, it just makes too much sense to not kind of cash in now. Um, I also have one more thing. Mm-hmm. When you said the season, there's nothing to play for the rest of the season. Maybe in the in the league, right? But are we completely counting ourselves out of the Champions League this year? And in all honesty, no. Uh, before we before we get on to the the next topic, I just want to. Quickly remind everyone. So, it, it, uh, PSG and Bayern are playing. Each, they they are they're playing each other in the round of sixteen. So one of those teams is gone. Liverpool, Real Madrid, same thing. One of those teams is gone. The winner of those two matches play against each other. We I think we play the winners of Milan, Tottenham. Uh, oh wait, do they they do a draw? Huh? The next no, you, yeah. There's still another draw before it's okay. like a cemented thing, but I, yeah. I think I see what the, you're saying. The, the, the big hitters that, are killing each other. Yeah. And then the other teams, club Bruges, Benfica, Inter, Porto, Milan, Tottenham, RB Leipzig, Man City, and then Frankfurt, Napoli. Like we have, let's see. We have Reese James coming back from injury. We have N'Golo Conte coming back from injury. We have uh, Zakaria coming back from injury. We have Raheem Sterling coming back from injury, Fofana, Felix. Like, I don't want to 
sound insane, but I think we have a we have a chance if everything goes right, if everyone's healthy, like to possibly make it to the the finals, if not win at all. No, I, I and okay, so let me clarify. I'm talking in respects to Ziesh and investing our time in Ziesh. There's no point. When it comes to the use, the Champions League, you can have a very minimal, like if, like you said, everyone's supposed to be healthy as long as we beat Dortmund. You can have both your starting fullbacks, Raheem Sterling being back. You mentioned Zakaria. You can win the Champions League on the back of 13 players. And Ziesh not being one of those 13 players, like, is fine. That I guess that's what okay. I was getting at. Like okay. you put you you keep your main guys healthy for the Champions League, and then you use your Premier League to bring in the guys that are here next year. And I guess that's where I'm at. Ziyech not going to be here next year. Ziyech is replaceable for the for what an elimination tournament requires, and that's where I'm at with it. I I am not taking ourselves out of the Champions League because Dortmund has a okay, shaky yeah. shaky defense, and. Shit, I predicted the 2021 madness. Like, why can't it happen again? Like, these guys, our team has a shitty week-to-week backbone in terms of the Premier League, but I swear to God, something about the Champions League, they take Michael Jordan's secret juice or something, and they play well. So, yeah, I I am not counting us out on two-legged elimination matches at all. All right, let's go. Let's move on. Yeah, so now a fun question before we get into, oh. like, the serious topic. This is a quick one. This one's from our boy Blaze Caruso. He mentioned JT was the away end at the Liverpool match. He wants to know who would be your ideal ex-Chelsea player to attend to an away fixture with, and do you have an away fixture in mind? Zach. Hmm. I'd love to take Drogba... I'd love to go with Drogba to an Arsenal-Chelsea match. That would be amazing, just because it would be like... I would be shithousing just by bringing him there, based on the sheer number of goals he scored against them. And also, he fucking hates them, too. So, And Drogba's my favorite player of all time, so it'll also tick that box. Nice. Tom? <laughs> uh... I'm not sure how to answer this question, but I just want to say that video of JT with the fans and they're all singing the double, 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 that song. Like, yeah, that was one of the sickest videos I've seen in a while. Like his interaction with the fans. Obviously, we love him. He loves us back. It's so nice to see that. And I love that chant. That's one of the sickest chants. He's a man of the people. I I have my own conspiracy theories as to why he was there. Um, some like there was something that came out recently that the club was trying to get a batch of from former player ambassadors to to do some of like the to do some stuff for the club. And something tells me Terry got a nice fat paycheck to to go cheer up the away section for this match. I don't know. Love Terry, but man. Like that's a rowdy ass group of people to go to, and and it's not like we're like pushing for the league title for him to be showing up like that. I think it was dope. I think those those fans got a hell of a time with him. But my choice is Eden Hazard. I think Hazard looks like the kind of dude that just would get blitzed, get just fucked up before the game, and and have a crazy time. 
You know he's going to have a bunch of burgers with you at the stadium. And I'd want to go to, honestly, yeah, Arsenal match. He Something about Chelsea Arsenal, that goal he scored against them, that would be my pick. Samet, you have you still have your chance to, to shout out a player you'd want to go to. All right, let's, go, let's, go, let's go Michael Bollock at, um, at uh, Spotify Camp New. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's my that's my pick because I can just I just always imagine him getting to the face of the ref and after that non especially against ball. Barcelona. Yep. Yeah, that's so a good one. Get a little bit of revenge. All right. Well, I didn't want to get into this part, but it's it's impossible to go online and not see one opinion or another on, on what's going on with Mason Mount. Um, it's getting to a point where social media is abusing the guy. So online Chelsea trolls are in prime form. We know the contract negotiations haven't been going well. It looks like Potter has been tra- trying to play him out of the poor run, but it's just not working. At the same time, we've been talking about it all, all pod. The new guys are coming in in positions that he plays and they're shining. The team is also getting healthier. I mean, I, I, I'll get, get us started. I think we forget, for one, that Mason Mount is still in his early 20s. And going from performing out of your skin winning trophies, be becoming universally beloved by Chelsea fans and by your managers, by your teammates, and, and everything going your way to things not. And then on top of that, that happens on the year that you're expecting the big paycheck. I think kind of the sky is falling and, and when it rains and pours, I don't think that Mason Mount suddenly is a shit player. I don't think he's, I don't think, I don't ever think he was worth 300K to begin with yet for this, this contract he's due. I think he just needs to be benched. I need, I think it's time for him to take a mental break. I I saw an interview. I think some Norwegian guy interviewed him after the Liverpool game and it was just, a whole new person just zero energy which is crazy because he's usually a super charismatic kid i think the guy just needs a break i think he deserves an extension i am not about to jump ship on on mason mount but goodness man i it's time to just put him on on the bench for a few matches i don't think he needs to be starting right now i think the more he starts the more damage we're doing to our own performances to what Potter's trying to do on the pitch as well, because the guy's not, you know, he hasn't won us anything. So it's not like fans are as patient as, as we are in terms of what we think Potter can do. So he has to make the hard choice and bench Mason Mount. Sam, what's your take on the situation? Like, what are you seeing? What do you think is, what do you think has to happen next? Yeah. Like playing him, trying to play him out of a poor run. That that's the that was the wrong move. I agree with you 100%. Listen, we have 13 days until our next match. That might not even be long enough for him to like 
decompress and, you know, take a step back and, you know, recompose himself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sitting him against our next matches against Fulham, uh, I'm not opposed to that. The thing about Mason Mount, and this is the this is the thing I'm going to say about his wages. I mean, three hundred thousand is completely out of the question. If he wants two hundred, that's still a lot. Um, and I love Mason Mount. I don't know if there's other teams that are willing to give him that money. And if they are, I'll be very sad to see Mason Mount leave. But I wouldn't match it right now. I I I mean I think two hundred thousand is is pushing it, but I think that's absolutely like the max I would go right now. To, to put um, it into perspective, he makes less than both Hudson and Doy, who's on loan and may never come mm-hmm. back, and Loftus Cheek. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> you, you that can't be the market because those are bad. Those are bad contracts. Yeah. And Older there are other players. Back. Yeah, exactly. And the way that we're doing business now, we're doing long-term contracts and at a lower at a lower salary too. So, Lots you know, of at the end of the, at the end of the of the contract of 7 years, 7 and a half years, whatever. <laughs> it's a good wage because obviously over that time the average wage always goes up. Um so, you know, if we could lock him up to a long term, like the same deals that we've been giving out to Modric, to, you know, uh, all, all these new signings, I would be down for it. But as far as his play this season, you mentioned that that terrible decision to lay the ball off um, after he received it to uh, Lewis Hall. And just take the shot, man. That that that's that's what you've been your whole entire career at Chelsea. And just to see him do that, you can you know, you know he's not there. This is not the Mason Mount that we're used to. His his mind is in a different place, and it's sad to see because I love him so much. But it's undeniable. It's undefendable at the moment and until he proves otherwise right now he's not worth the wage demand i think that he's looking for right now zach i, I i'm not buying the 300 million or 300,000 a week is what he's demanding he's shown yeah. zero he's given us zero hints that he's that type of person and, and and I don't think he's an idiot either. I think he knows that a lot of these contracts, or not a lot of them, every single contract that has been signed under Boley has been incentive based. So he he knows right off the bat he's not going to get three hundred thousand. I'm not buying it for a second that that's what he's asking for. Um, I, I I just don't see it. So I don't really want to give that too much uh, time or effort. Um, but I do want to kind of just focus on the on field product and with. I'll just preface it by saying this. I still back Mason Mount at Chelsea Football Club. So if you don't like what I'm about to say, just go ahead and fast forward through it. But here it goes. So he's had 
a pretty successful or very successful career up to this point that's had little to no hurdles um, professionally. I mean, he went to Vitesse and he shined on loan. He went to Derby. He shined on loan. He started at Chelsea under Frank, who had high praise for him. The fact that Frank came back and sort of united the club, united the fan base, backed Mason Mount. Um, that definitely got all of us on board with him at the time. And, you know, he was having player of the season type seasons, 10 goals, 10 plus goals and assists um, seasons. And now Tuchel comes in, serve very serviceable for Tommy Tuchel, playing in a more attacking role on the right wing, a position that we know he's playing out of position in, but does it anyways for the team, um, assisted the Champions League goal to Kai Havertz, then fast forward to this season where he just looks completely void of any sort of confidence. I think it's a situation that he hasn't found himself in professionally up until now. Like Andres said, you know, you alluded to how young he is. He's still a young developing player, regardless of the amount of experience and the different competitions in, that he's played and started in. None of that really matters. I mean, at the, at, at the end of the day, you have to look at his age you have to look at the amount of minutes he's played compared to guys with experience who never put in a bad shift, like N'Golo Conte when he's healthy, like a Thiago Silva, like a Olivier Giroud when he was even here. He's not going to have that type of consistency at this at, at this young age. And then another thing is, you know, I talked about the different teams and systems he's played in. I think he's played in about five different positions this season. He's played purely as a as a, as a right winger slash right. I don't even want. To, I want to call it more of like an inside forward under Tuchel in a three-four-three, and then you know he was a pseudo midfielder slash attacker under Frank. I feel like all of those things combined have just kind of led up to this moment where he doesn't necessarily have an identity as a footballer. We can't really look at Mason Mount and say, okay, he is this, right? Um, so I think that hurt him on one hand. On the other hand, he is finding it difficult to kind of wade through the waters of having a dip in form, um, not really having a sort of skill or um, or match that he can look at and say, okay, like I'm going to build from there and then we'll get a little bit of momentum under my game. Right now he has nothing. I think the important thing to look at with a guy like Mason Mouse, he's been at the club since he was eight years old. He absolutely loves Chelsea and he's one of the only players from everything that I'm hearing and seeing that stays after the match and claps the away support. After the Liverpool match, I was listening to a podcast earlier today that said that he stayed there for about two or three minutes clapping for the away end um, after the Liverpool match, knowing that he played like shit, knowing that he gets the abuse, knowing that he gets hundreds and thousands of emails, or not emails, uh, uh, tweets written about him in bad taste day in and day out. The one thing I will say is that I agree with both of you guys in terms of he does need to be benched. I think... Playing him through um, this kind of form right now, it's gotten to the point where it's hurting him more than it's helping him. It's not helping him whatsoever. So I think maybe taking a little seat on the bench, tweaking your game, having some tactical sessions with with Potter's staff, getting a better idea of what Potter sees for him long term, and then only focusing in on that, not focusing on being a right winger or a left winger, um, or, or, or you know playing out of position or playing in a different position every week. I think Potter's long-term vision for him is most likely, um, you know, a mix between an eight or a ten in a in a some variation of a four-three-three or four-two-three-one, and I think that's what that's what he really needs to focus on. But to continue playing them week in and week out and expecting to get good performances out of them, 
it's just not going to happen. You have to sit them down, let them think about, you know, everything, literally everything, get his head right, make him feel refreshed, make him feel valued, make him feel like he can contribute something and then put him back in. And, and when you put him back in, you know, you can also ease him in slowly. He is still a very young player. And I think now more than ever, we have that luxury to do that with Mason Mount and protect him in that sense. Because we got guys like Mudrick and guys like Joao Felix who came in and showed that they could be an instant impact, that they could kind of hold down the fort while we can take our time with guys like Mason Mount who have the Premier League experience. So I'm not down on them at all. I think a lot of the abuse is embarrassing. I think if you're a Chelsea fan and you're on Twitter shitting on Mason Mount and not criticizing him is okay, but you know, the name calling and getting personal, that's just, it's beyond me. You're not a Chelsea fan. If you're doing that, the guy bleeds Chelsea blue and, He's been here since he was eight years old. There should be nothing but support for the guy. So I will say, I, I will kind of finish off my rant with that. I hope that the 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 kind of um, aura around him, the the noise around him, turns into something positive as opposed to only being negative, and that we really start to back him. Um, but that also means that Potter needs to do it, and I think in order to do that, you have to look at him and say, okay, maybe you can take a little seat on the bench for a while. So. Anyways, um, that's pretty much all I got to say on Mount, but I still love the guy, and, and I do feel for him. I really do. Yeah, 13 days off. Hopefully the fan base can just freaking chill out. I'm, it's exhausting, honestly, that when things slowly get good for Chelsea, like – some sort of fan-based civil war has to happen. And it, and unfortunately, this time around, it's a young player who we should be looking to build around. So, yeah, hopefully, again, 13 days off from matches and from media exposure, hopefully a couple of benches. But anyways, 13 days from now, we play Fulham. And our friend Leonard Cohen has a question. And some, I can't do Leonard Cohen's voice any help so i need you to give me your best leonard cohen of course that's my specialty dear pod sorry dear pod uh with chelsea's next game being el clasico against fulham at the bridge on the 3rd of february does the pod think this longer lead time before a game will help potter set his set up his team given he isn't used to playing so many games per month Thank you, Leonard, for such a great question. Mm-hmm. I want to start by saying I, I, I can't tell if the question is saying that Potter has never, you know, coached that many games in a month. But in terms of his Chelsea time, I think I think I think he's talking about Brighton not typically being in so many competitions. You know, I mean, that, that makes sense. I guess, but Potter Potter only played three Champions League matches, and those were months ago. So I don't know. I, I Within his time at Chelsea, he has had two matches per week since taking over. So I, I'm going to answer based on that. I think now that we know that Potter has, at least in the last few weeks, taken back the reins as to what he wants to do versus what he thinks he's supposed to do, I expect this to be the best match we've seen in a while. I think that 
there was a timid approach to Liverpool, but now there is no excuse to not go, go out there for the jugular. You got your rejuvenated attack, so you can't blame injuries because the guys that you said you're going to choose will be available, uh, including is, is Felix back for this one or is he missing this one also? I believe he misses this one. He's back on the 11th. Yeah, it's going to be a third match he misses. So, Mudrik and Madueke, the new wingers, should be ready to go. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that if nothing crazy happens, Reese James may be back for this one as well. Kovacic is supposed to be back for this one as well. Therefore, I mean, Kukurea showed today that he's sort of back mentally, had a great game. This should be the strongest match we have seen, and that is my expectation. It has to be three points, and not because, oh, we haven't won the next amount of games. No, no, no. It's because there's been 13 days. Other teams are, are doing other things. You get 13 days with your team, 13 days to prepare for one person, and you've already figured out the defense. Now let's get some freaking goals. We cannot have another snooze fest. That is, is where I'm at. I don't care that Fulham has won four out of their last five. And I don't care that Mitrovic is back as their leading scorer. This is about what we can do in the attack and what we're going to force down their throats. I talked about being a dog that's all bark, no bite. I expect to see bite. If that comes in the form of 20-something shots and we only scored two goals, so be it because we suck at finishing. But I want to see attacking football. I do not want to see some bullshit approach. And I definitely, like, it's harsh. I don't want to see Lewis Hall start in center mid. I think it's still too soon to, to just keep dropping that sort of pressure. I think at left back, he's a little bit more limited and he can let his technique take over. I want it. I want it to be clean. I want it to be polished and I want it to just be aggressive from the kickoff. Zach, what do you think? I think we're going to look a lot more polished um, like we have in the last two matches. Now I know it's far from the finished product and there's still plenty of work to do, but I alluded to it earlier. I think it really comes down to this. We've spruced up our attack. We figured out a way to stop leaking goals and defensively. We somehow got Kepa's confidence back. Um, now we need to work on that midfield. We really need to, whether we go out and buy a player to just kind of be a quick fix um, at least until Zakaria comes back, we need to find a solution. It can't be Jorginho and Lewis Hall. I completely agree with you there. I think it needs to be some kind of combination of, you know, maybe Kovacic, Gallagher, um, you know, possibly an RLC to maybe make a comeback and, and make another appearance for us. I mean, he's been pretty important for us the last 18 months or so. So who's to say that he can't come in and do another job for us? Um, but I do think that, you know, against Liverpool, especially we were missing that physical presence. We were missing the ability to pass the ball forward and break through the lines. And I think having guys like maybe Kovacic um, and Gallagher, for sure, both of them. I mean, they Gallagher has an eye for a pass. Kovacic is able to break the press with his dribbling. I think that'll be a good combination and just kind of get us over the line there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's incredibly important. Now, my big concern here is going to be right back. I mean, if Reese James doesn't come back, is Chalaba going to be healthy? Is he still it was. Be- oh, it turns out that Chalaba was just cramps. Okay, I, good. I wanted to mention that it, it okay, was okay, confirmed okay. that he did not actually get hurt. It's cramps. Good, good, good. Yeah, because I was about to go off on the on the team doctors again. But yeah, I mean, it, even if Chalaba plays, I think we'll be okay. Um, he probably stays tighter to William and doesn't let him do that little wiggly thing and cut inside. So we should be good. Dom. Yeah, I 
I think your expectations are a little bit too high for this match. Um, I think that the addition of Mudrik is going to change the way that we attack completely because him and Joao Felix both provided something that we did not have. Direct threats um, off the wing who are extremely talented dribblers with blazing fast speed. I think I think for the rest of the season, we're going to start scoring a lot more. Um, because right now, like, our goal scoring record is not great. I think we have, like, a net zero uh, goal differential at the moment, maybe plus one. Um, but I think throughout, like, I know we're talking about Fulham, but I'm just looking forward. We're going to see that number to go up a little bit. Um, hopefully this is the match that we really see it. I'm still concerned about what we're going to do at striker. Um, I want to, I still want to see Fofana play, but we're probably going to see um, Kai Hobart start again. And I don't know if we, we didn't mention this, but Bayern Munich apparently is looking into him right now. Possible. For the summer. 50, up to no. 52 to 55 mil. Yeah. 50 million in January. That's what wow. I read today. So who knows what we do. Um, but I don't know. I just want to see Fofana out there. I want to see what he is right now. See if we need to still go for a striker. Or if Lukaku coming back next year is going to be the answer. God forbid. No, I, I doubt the the Chelsea board is going to bring back a guy that talked mad shit about the club. But any predictions? You guys want to put your neck out there for any any crazy thoughts on, on what a player may do? Score lines? Fofana starts and scores. All right. Fofana. Not Wesley. We're talking about David Dotro Fofana. Yes, David Dotro Fofana. DDF. Um, and final score is 2-1, Chelsea. Zach? I'm going to go 1-0. I still don't think we score that many goals, but um, I think this is going to be one of those matches where Mudrik just gets completely unleashed and wreaks havoc on them. Um, I think he'll win a set piece, and Badi Ashil will score the winner off the set piece. Ooh. Yeah. And Wah is going to get on the score sheet. I I think we're going to score. I think we're going to score a lot. I think it's going to be something like 3-1. to one. And, and it's and it's still not going to be like a happy 3-1. to one. I think we're going to miss a shit ton still. I think it, it's one of those where... Could have been more, could have been more, could have been more. And and we'll still feel unsatisfied with three goals. But we have to win. We can't lose to Fulham twice in one season. That that would be unforgivable. But um, we'll leave it there. I think we've covered all our bases. Again, don't abuse a 20-something-year-old kid that's trying his hardest. Let the man take some time off. We got time off from Chelsea as well. Don't forget Thank to follow God. us on Twitter. <laughs> no Chelsea for 13 days. Hallelujah. Neutral. Neutral watching where you don't have your blood pressure boiling. You don't have to stress out. You don't have to drink your sorrows. Just enjoy some football. But again, follow us on Twitter at Blues on Parade. 
Let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know if there's, you know, in these next 13 days, you think we need to jump back into the mics and talk transfers or anything like that. Knowing Boley, he probably has something up his sleeve still. But again, as always, keep the blue flag flying high.